we give you our attention this morning. And I'm gonna sing till my heart starts changing. And I'm gonna worship till I mean every word. Cause the way I feel in the fear I'm facing. Doesn't change who you are What you deserve I give you my worship And you still deserve it You're worthy, you're worthy You're worthy of my song I'll pour out your praises In blessing and breaking Survey, you worthy, you worthy, 
Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. You know, there's something, there's something sacred about a people that comes together and worships together. Bringing our hearts together and raising our voices together and, and singing together in worship of, of our Savior. There's something sacred when a body of believers come together we participate in communion together. I don't think these are moments that we should uh, take for granted. Now, yes, I know it, it's nasty out today. It's cold and, and whatever. And I thank you for venturing out to church this morning. But, you know, uh, I was watching a ball game last night in Kansas City. It was negative 20-some degrees windshield factor. Thousands of people in that stadium. Some crazy guys even taking their shirts off. I don't know what's wrong with those people. But anyways, I just say that not, not, to, not to put down anybody that didn't come today, but the point being is that we never take for granted our moments to be able to come together as a church and be together in worship and be together in the word and be together in fellowship and then then come together and do the things that Jesus asked us to do, like participate in communion together. Do this in remembrance of me, is what he said. So if you'd like to this morning, we're going to take communion together in just a moment. If, if you would, make your way out to the middle aisle and, and grab the elements and then kind of head around the side and head back to your seat. We'll take it together in just a moment. But, but if you'd like to take this morning, come on down. And we'll take communion together as the Lord asked us to. This is the table of the Lord. We invite you to come and meet him here this morning. participate in communion together so we don't. Because what this table represents, and the, and the Lord meets us here, in, I think in a mysterious way, what it represents is that what we believe flows out of this. Jesus came to earth as a, as a physical human being, God in flesh. He inaugurates the kingdom of God. He, he teaches us what it means to live in the kingdom. Then come signs of the kingdom, miracles and, and healings and all sorts of things. 
But ultimately, he ends up at the cross. Because it's through his death on the cross that we find the fulfillment of all things needed for the forgiveness of our sins. And remember he was on the cross. He said, it is finished. Amen. No ifs, ands, or buts. Nothing more needed. It's finished. That's what this table represents. And you know what? It's finished for you. In other words, there is a finality of the work of God in your life today. The forgiveness of your sins. And the ability to live in freedom because of it. So as we partake today, we remember what Jesus did on the cross. Not just the physical act of him dying on the cross, but then what it means for us. That we can be forgiven. And then we can walk in the newness of life. Amen? That's what this means. So Lord, we thank you for willingly going to a cross, suffering for us. That your body, Lord, physically it was beaten, tormented, then literally nailed to a tree for us. And Lord, we remember today, we remember today that we never forget that you paid the wage of sin, which is death for each one of us in our place. Lord, we thank you for that. We partake of the bread in remembrance of that. Let's partake together this morning. comes along with his body being crucified was the shedding of his blood. Again, the mysterious ways of God that the Bible said without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. But he fulfills it. And we stand in this right here that we are forgiven. Again, no ifs, ands, or buts. When you cry out to God in repentance and ask for forgiveness, he responds in gives you of your sins, washes you clean, white as snow. And you know what happens is your entire eternity is changed. No longer children of wrath, no longer headed for an eternity without God, but yet lined up now with him because of his grace, because of his mercy that we find right here. Lord, we thank you for your blood that was shed for each one of us. There's nothing too deep, nothing too dark that cannot be forgiven. Lord, there's nothing too deep and there's nothing too dark that cannot be changed. And we thank you for that. That's the wonderful God that you are. So Lord, as we partake of this cup this morning, we remember you shedding your blood and gives us the confidence today to live in what it means. Let's partake together this morning. How about just for a moment here? Let's just let's just worship him. You can raise your hands up if you'd like to. Let's just worship him with our own voice and our own words and thank him for what he has done for you. So Lord, we praise you today and we worship you. Lord, you have forgiven me, you have forgiven us. 
Lord, that you gave me a brand new start. That's what you do for us. It's the working of patience from here on out that you work with us and grow us and change us and lead us. We thank you. We thank you, Lord. There's nothing too big that we can't bring to you that your work does not take care of. We thank you. You're so wonderful, so good. We worship you today. And we praise you today. So worthy. Lord, we will never forget what you've done for us. It'll be at the forefront of our minds in all that we do. For you have shaped our lives. You've changed our life. You've given us new life. We can't find it without you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Jesus. I think the Lord declares to you this morning that there is hope. For every situation you find yourself in, there is hope. For every way where there seems to be no way, there's hope. every place that you find yourself in that seems that there's no answer. There's hope. For everything that seems too big, insurmountable, there's hope. So trust in him today. He will bring way in the wilderness. He'll bring streams in the desert. Lord, we thank you for that. For the great hope that we have in you. We thank you. So wonderful. So good. Oh, Jesus.
Lost without hope with no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began was redeemed, only beauty remained, and my orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to day. Your are 
Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Let's uh, let's uh, take up tithes and offering. So if you have something to give, you can start to prepare that. Offering envelopes are in chairs in front of you. If not, I'll wave, wave your hand around and I'll help you out. 
I know. I'm glad you all love each other. Maybe not this much. I'm kidding. I'm joking. All right, tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can prepare that. Envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around. And Al will help you out, or one of the ushers will help you out. But your giving is always appreciated. How many of you know that God is always our provider? How many know that? How many of you guys have stories? I'm not going to ask right now, but how many of you have stories, or a story, that you can tell about how God showed up in your life in a way of provision, where he sort of made a way where there seemed to be no way? Anybody? Amen. God's always in front of us with provision. And we give because we honor God for that. The Bible says that tithe is holy unto him. Tithe, by the way, what is tithe? Tithe, uh, how many have increased that come into your life? Anybody? Jobs or find five bucks on the sidewalk? I don't know. Increase comes to your life. The Bible teaches that we tithe on that. In other words, 10% comes into the church. Why? Well, it teaches you a bunch of stuff. Uh, it teaches you that greed shouldn't be in your life. It teaches you that God's your provider. Uh, it teaches you that then we depend upon him. And then we give because, well, then he has purpose for the church. And, and the church is to be in wise stewardship of the money that comes in. But a lot of things that happen because you tithe. But it's a matter of the heart. I'll tell you what. Not only personally in our lives, but also for this church, I never live and worry about money. Has it ever been tight? Yep. Absolutely. But I never am in worry that God won't make a way. Because that's who he is. Especially when we were first married. We, we weren't rowing it. We're not like rich now, but we weren't really at that time not rowing the dough. Like, didn't have a lot. We didn't, have a, we didn't have a kitchen table. You know, you know what we did? We ate dinner, and for, for a, a wedding gift, somebody got us one of those big igloo coolers. We put that in the middle of the living room and put our dinner on that and sit down there. But it was fun. We, we, we look back on those times, and that, that was just a, a wild time. Never in worry, though, that God wasn't going to provide, but also learning to be content in your situation. Now, we have a kitchen table now, but it's not like that's the epitome of life anyways. Content in your situation. That you learn to honor with what you have when you're faithful and little. Amen. Those you give today, you're honoring God with what has come into your life. And letting him know, no matter your situation at the moment, that he is the one that you're always going to trust to see you through. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me pray over it. Lord, we thank you. We're coming to church today, Lord. We made it out, Lord, and we're here worshiping and praising. We continue our worship with our giving today. Lord, and as we give, we honor you. And we praise you. You're a good God. You're our good Father. And we live in that. We live in it. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. So if you have something this morning, you can bring it. Uh, let me give uh, some announcements real quick before we break our Bibles out. Um, don't forget, we are in the midst of 21 days of prayer. 
chapter starts the second week we started last Sunday. Uh, and with that, don't forget that every day during 21 days of prayer, the church is open at some point. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday, 6 to 7 p.m., we're here. Saturday mornings, 8 to 9 a.m., and certainly then we're here uh, Sundays and Wednesdays uh, for church. Um, so, so come on out and be a part of prayer uh, during the week at some point. There's all sorts of resources at the back, about 21 days of prayer, so go check it out. But if you've noticed, uh, if you haven't been here, but if you noticed on the walls a bunch of sticky notes, those are prayer requests that we pray over every time that we're here. When 21 days of prayer is over, we'll gather them up and keep them together and continue to pray over them at Monday night prayer. But if you... Uh, have prayer requests and haven't got it on the wall yet, I'm going to throw these up here on the corner of the platform here. After church, come uh, grab one, write something on it, throw it up. You don't have to put your name on it. Just uh, put your prayer request on that, and we are lifting these things up in prayer. And how many believe that God answers our prayer? Amen. So that's why we pray. We're a pray-first uh, church. So participate in 21 days of prayer with us. By the way, uh, along with that, the back, there's a, a blue sheet that has sort of a prayer guide for 21 days, things about uh, for the church and, and things of that nature that we get on the same page about. If you don't have that, grab one of those. So if you're not out able to make it during the week, you have that home with you to spend time praying each day. All right, second thing is, uh, don't forget in February, our small groups kick back off. So if you're interested in small group information, come next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to introduce all of our small group leaders, and they're going to tell you their topic that they're kicking off with in February, uh, when they meet, where they meet, and all that information. So next Sunday, we'll give all the information out about that. So we are uh, not just a church that has small groups, we're a church of small groups. And we believe small groups are important because it's part of how we develop freedom in our life. Because it's one thing to come to church like this and listen to me talk and, and try to absorb it and apply it and leave. It's another thing to get together with a group of people where you can talk and share and relate. And small groups are important that way. So I encourage you to get connect with the small group. We have uh, five or six of them that are meeting starting in February. So we'll let you know all the details about that next week. Next thing. The first Wednesday in February, February the 7th, we have uh, Next Steps. Next Steps is for you if you've been coming to church here and you haven't officially kind of made uh, uh, kind of a declaration, this is my church home. If you want to do that, that's what Next Steps is about. There's a sign-up sheet back at the back uh, table for that. It's, it's information about the church, uh, stuff that you don't know about us probably, just so you know about us, you get to know us a little bit more in time that we get to know you a little bit. Again, we'll tell you more about small groups, how to get connected in Dream Team, and all those different kind of things. So next steps, February the 7th during church on Wednesday night. Sign up at the back for that. And let's see, last but not least, um, love your marriage. Uh, we take time each year uh, right after uh, Valentine's Day to have an evening here at church on a Wednesday night. I'm sorry, a Friday night, uh, where we take time to strengthen your marriages. And listen, your marriage is one area of your life that the devil, the enemy, would like nothing more to get in and create havoc. Because if he can wreck your marriage, it not only affects you, it affects your kids, it, it affects everything. So we take time each year to just have a Friday night from 6 to 9 p.m. We provide dinner, we provide child care, but we want you to come and, and, and kind of get some some insight, uh, some challenges that we need to pay, not only pay attention to our marriage, but work on them. 
Amen? So love your marriage. It's March the 1st from 6 to 9 p.m. There is a sign-up sheet at the back for that also. That way we get enough food in for that night. And it's a fun night, but a night uh, to strengthen your marriage. So make sure you're a part of that and, and, and make plans to be here for it. All right. I think that's all I want to say. Let's get our Bibles out. Isaiah chapter number 43. We're going to start there again. We've been starting here the last three Sundays, and I, I want to keep, at least today, go back there again, because I really, really, really want you to get into your heart what we're talking about over the last couple of weeks and today. And, and whenever, whenever I'm in a passage of Scripture, and I keep coming back to it, and I keep uh, kind of being pressed in my heart by the Spirit to keep coming to a place. I always know it's for a reason. I believe every time I'm up here, it's for a reason. But sometimes he won't let me go from certain passages of Scripture. And he's not letting me go off of Isaiah chapter 43. But before we read it, uh, C.S. Lewis said something. I want you to think about this. C.S. Lewis said, human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God which will make him happy. And that's true. You look down through human history, we're always trying to find something that makes us happy and try to uh, find things that, that make us fulfilled. But if you try to do it outside of God, you'll never find it in its fullness, ever. You can find temporary happiness, maybe, and you can find some things that bring some level of fulfillment, but you'll never find the true fullness of what God has for you. And let me tell you where you find the true fullness of where God has it for you. It's in freedom. See, I think we think in, in, a, in a way that happiness is sort of, in a, in a way, freedom. But really, it's only in the freedom that we find in God that starts with the forgiveness of our sins that you really find what life is meant to be. So Isaiah chapter 43, the great prophet Isaiah prophesying while Israel was in Babylon captivity, he says this in verse number 18. Let's go back there. This is where we've been the last three Sundays. He said, remember not the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? That, that, that's what I want you to catch in your heart. That God has been, and Kelly, if you'll throw that first slide up, we've been using the same slide the last three Sundays. Let me put it up again today. God has been, and will continue to do a new thing. But here's the question. Do you perceive it? Of course, we know ultimately uh, fulfillment of what Isaiah is talking about. That new thing is Jesus. He comes in fulfillment of all things. But then what comes forth from Jesus is not only the forgiveness of your sins, but again, it's the freedom of life that God has for you because you've been forgiven. God is doing a new thing, and it results in freedom. Amen. I want you to catch that. Because what, what freedom is, is the possibilities of God in your life. That's really why I want you to grab in your hearts and begin to understand. 
Because we are not only forgiven of our sins, but we're set free from our sins and the result of sins, then what is the possibilities of God in your life because of freedom? And what are the possibilities of God? Whatever he says. If all things are possible in him, then what is possible? You, you, see, Isaiah, he said, look, you've got to shut the door on the past. Because some of y'all still live in your past. You've got to shut the door to it. He's doing a new thing. And you've got to learn to perceive what he is up to. Not, not only in the big picture, but also personally. What is he up to? And you've got to get in on it. But you've got to learn to shut the door to your past. I'm going to tell you something. I said this last week, and I'm saying this again because it's so important you catch this. Some of you all have been stuck where you've been stuck for so long, you don't believe that God is able to bring you out of it. You've been stuck there so long. A way of life, a way of thinking, a, pers a perspective. You've been there so long, it's so normal to you, that you really don't believe that God can bring you out of it. But God is able to do whatever he has said he will do. And we got to start learning to live in the possibilities of God because he's doing a new thing. Leaving the past behind and moving into what he has. Now, does that mean it's easy? No. Does that mean it just happens overnight sometimes? No. But what it means is that you have a new perspective of what can be in your life. You got to grab hold of that. So where I want to jump to today is, is 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And we'll start in verse number 1 in, in just a moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1. Now you turn there, but let me, let me read you another verse real quick. Paul writes... In Romans chapter 1, and he, he is drawing from uh, the prophet uh, Habakkuk. The righteous live by what? Faith. The righteous live by faith. What is faith? Faith is this active belief. Faith is trust. The righteous live by faith. Now, what Paul is, is, is writing there in, in Romans 1 is that you can't earn your righteousness. And you can't earn it by the law. You can't earn it by anything. That's why the righteous live by faith. Okay? Uh, I think A.W. Tozer said something like this. He said, uh, the only sin that Jesus knew was our sin, right? But the only righteousness we know is his righteousness. So he, he gives us righteousness. We live in the righteousness that he gives us. You can't earn it. It's by faith. You believe and you receive. The righteous live by faith. So we live by faith. But Paul, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, he takes it a step further. Let, let's, let's read this in verse number 1. And I'll talk about what, this, what we're getting at here in just a moment. Let's just read this together. It says, for we know that the tent that is, our earthly home is destroyed. Now, what is he talking about there? He is talking about your physical body, okay? If that happens, we have a building from God, 
a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent or this body we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we were in this tent, we groan uh, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would uh, be further clothed, so that which is mortal may be swallowed up by life. For he who has prepared for us this very thing is God, who has given us a spirit, the spirit as a guarantee. So, in other words, while we live on this earth and we're alive and breathing in these physical bodies, uh, well, in a certain way, we long for what is to come. And he's talking about the coming heavenly dwelling. But the thing is, while we are in this physical body, awaiting for the time where we go there to heaven, we've been given the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, right, of what is to come. So the Holy Spirit is given to us. We're sealed with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says elsewhere. In other words, we are marked that we belong to him, and it's a guarantee that no matter what happens, we are his, even if it means going to him, right? Okay, let's keep reading. So we are always of good courage, and we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Now watch this. For we walk by faith and not by what? That's where Paul kind of uh, adds on to the righteous live by faith. But the righteous don't only live by faith. The righteous walk by faith and not by sight. Let's keep reading. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done while living on this earth, in this body, whether good or evil. Living by faith and not by sight is a perspective of how you not only live in this world, but how you long for the things that are to come. So Paul is saying, uh, look, as long as as we're in this earthly body, in a certain sense, we are away from the Lord, yes. And if we ever become absent of this body, then we are with him. That that is, again, if you die, your spirit is with him in heaven, which is kind of the first step of the eternal longing that we have, the first step, the promises that are to come. Now, let me pause for a moment here and reaffirm something to you. Uh, if I was to die today, it's okay. My spirit's with Jesus in heaven because I will be absent from this body and I'll be present with the Lord. But do you know that is not the end of this body? The Bible says that we will be resurrected, right? And the, the return of Jesus, who is coming again, we will be resurrected, our spirits and bodies reunited in this wonderful way that we will be remade. And then there is a new heaven and a new earth. That, that, that is our uh, eternity. That's our destiny. For, for this idea of what, that we're just going to be floating around as disembodied spirits for the rest of eternity out there in space is not what the scripture says is the end of things. There will be a new heaven, new earth, bodies once again. But Paul is right here talking about the uh, intermediate state in between that time. 
absent from this body and present with the Lord. Do you realize in order to believe that and live that way, you have to live by faith and not by sight? Why? Because you don't see it. See, the Bible gives some descriptions of what heaven is like. It gives some description of what new heaven and new earth is like. But we don't have a complete picture of the whole thing. Is that correct? You can, with your imagination, kind of imagine what it may be like. But we, we don't have an entire clear picture of it. But yet, but yet, I believe, I believe that if I died today, I would be present with the Lord. And I only make that statement because I live by faith and not by sight because I can't see it. I've never been caught up into the heavens, as Paul would write. I, I, I have no, listen, I have no physical evidence that heaven exists. Correct? So I live by faith and not by sight. So that's what Paul's getting at with not by uh, not with faith, but not by sight, because our eternal dwellings is something that we don't physically see. As a matter of fact, uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 12. Now, now roll with me. We're actually going somewhere. Don't give up on me until we get there. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then later face to face. Now I know in part, right now I don't know the whole thing, but in part, but then later I shall know fully, even I as I have been fully known. And that's sort of Paul writing about this. We don't have the full picture of what is to come. But yet, listen, we still trust. We still trust. Yet we still believe in the possibilities of God that not only does it exist now, but it would exist when I get there. If I die before the return of Jesus, I trust that when I am absent from this body, I will be present with the Lord. Listen, or else why would I live this life as a Christian? What's the point? Yeah, yeah, living the Christian life, it, it, it teaches you some good morals and some good ethics, and that's nice. But ultimately, I understand that my greatest reward is where? Heaven. See, how much you believe in the life to come will directly affect how you live for Jesus today. Because not only is our reward there, but as Paul wrote there, we will be judged for what we have done while in this body. There's judgment. I believe that so much it changes how I live today. I live with this idea that, well, I'm not promised tomorrow. Anything can happen. Therefore, I want to be ready today to see him face to face. I don't know when he's coming back, so I live today like he might come back tomorrow because I believe. 
And I trust that what the word says about these things is true. I live by faith and not by sight. I can't see it, but I believe it's there. Now, see, there's a whole other way that we start to see this living by faith and not by sight. But, but one more thing, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In verse number 8. We believe in what is to come so much that we can actually be in this specific circumstance that Paul is writing about here. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Do you realize that you could find yourself in situations like that, but still stand and say, it's going to be okay because I live by faith and not by sight. I don't live by what I see right now. I live according to what he said is coming. You see what I'm, what I'm getting at there? There's a certain way that you approach life, even in the midst of trouble and trial and affliction. When things aren't going your way, you stay in trust and faith in God because what he says is coming is true. I live by faith and not by sight. That is why Christians that suffer severe persecution, I, I was talking to somebody, talk, I was in a group with people the other day, uh, and they, they were talking about uh, persecution for Christians but in, in America, and somebody was like, how are we persecuted? Really, think about it. I don't know about you, but I don't get persecuted a lot. How, how in, in the United States of America, how are we persecuted? You, no, nobody was standing on the corner of our sidewalk beating you as you tried to come into church today. Your life is not being threatened because you showed up here. Now, you go to another country, that may not be the case. It might not be so easy. The reason that persecuted Christians stay strong in their faith is because they live by faith and not by sight. Because they believe that if they end up absent from the body, they will be present with the Lord. And what a wonderful perspective. That is why if you read the accounts in the early church when they're being killed for their faith and they're given an opportunity to recant their faith, they absolutely will not do it. And actually felt it an honor to be killed for his name. Imagine that. They live by faith and not by sight. But see, there's... Uh, a way that comes down to our lives, though, because here we are, and we do have life going on, and we do have the Christian life that we're called to live, and we do live in a messed up world where there's an enemy working uh, against us, and we do know by faith we have righteousness, but yet we still must work this out. See, living by faith and not by sight is not just about the possibilities of what God will do later, but it's about the possibilities of your life today. See, by the scriptures, we perceive what God is doing in a future way. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. We see in the scriptures, though, again, it's not fully uh, explained there is a new heaven and a new earth coming. We perceive that. 
But yet here today in our lives, we are working out our salvations, pinning a hope that what God says about our personal life and way to find freedom in him is actually true. Therefore, even in your personal life, you live by faith and not by sight. And there we find hope. And you can think of, of, of all these different situations that you face and you find yourself in. If you can grab hold of the possibilities of God in those situations, even if you don't see it today, we believe it's possible in him. When you've been stuck so long in a certain situation or a certain perspective or a certain thought process or a certain sin that you don't really believe that God can bring you through, you've got to step back and say, that's not true. I live by faith and not by sight. I don't see the answer today. I don't see a way through this today. I'm in the desert. And I don't see a stream to, to bring me, uh, to satisfy my thirst today. But yet I believe in the possibilities of God. And I don't hang my hope on what I see today, but I hang my hope on what God can do. I live by faith and not by sight. Because if I can do it for eternal things, why can't I do it in my life right now? You see what I'm getting at? So every time I pray, in essence, if I'm, I'm praying for things to, to come forth in life, I'm actually saying, Lord, I'm praying this because I'm not living by sight of what I see today. But I'm living by faith in what you can do because you can do it. And I'm not going to limit God to what he can or cannot do because he's God. See, we live by faith by what he has declared. We live by faith by what he was doing moving forward. Again, that's the new thing, in Jesus, in freedom. We live in a way that we're always trusting God and what he can do. See, this is what part, uh, this is what hope is about. See, we have the great hope in the return of Jesus, but yet in the meantime, we have hope that God is active in our life right now. Because even though you can face all the things that we read in 2 Corinthians, listen, we have hope that God is with us in the midst of it and will bring us through. And if not, we're absent from the body and present with the Lord. Therefore, we always have hope. And our hope never wanes, it never stops. You may have been stuck in a specific sin for so long that you just feel shame and you feel out of place and you really feel like God doesn't love you. Let me speak to you and say, there's hope. Don't look at the current situation that you're stuck. Look at the possibilities of God. Live by faith and not by sight that he'll see you through. You see what I'm getting at? Your marriage could be a wreck train wreck. It, the whole entire thing could have fall off the tracks. Okay, I get it. But don't live by what you see. Live by faith in the God who can fix anything. Amen. You may have been stuck in a financial situation for so long that you feel like you're lost in the wilderness and there's no way through this, this, this trouble. Okay, don't live in what you see. 
Live by faith that God will see you through because it's possible. Now, in none of this are you denying your situation. That's not what this is about at all. But what it is is that even though I see my situation very clearly, I believe that God can do anything. That's the possibilities of God. So every declaration of the word, everything that we find in the scriptures that talk about the freedom that we have in life because of the forgiveness of sins, we know that so much of that is not currently in my moment. So much of it's not currently in my situation. Okay. But I trust. And I live by faith. Not by my current circumstance. Which really sometimes takes up my entire view and it's all I see. Amen? So questions are, listen, I always want you to ask the question, what can God do? No matter where you're at, you always have to ask, before I do anything, before I go forward, before I make plans, before I make decisions, before I do anything, what can God do? And it's always coupled with another question, what does God desire? Because God desires it, then he can do it. Therefore, I trust it. Now, will that cause me to start to think a certain way? Yeah. Will, will that cause me maybe to do certain things? Yeah. But you always put yourself in a place that the possibilities of God can happen in your life. So uh, everybody here, if, how many of you know me? You know, okay. You know I wear hearing aids. Okay? So uh, I've been wearing hearing aids since the second grade. And there, I'll never forget my first pair of hearing aids I ever got. It was a big, huge ones that they put behind your ears that, that looked like big telephone poles on the back of your head. I was not allowed to touch them. Do not touch these. So... My mom would put them on in the morning before I went to school. And then when I went out to recess, they did not trust me. I had to go to the nurse. The nurse would take them off. I'd come in from recess. The nurse would put them back on. I'd get home, and my mom would take them back off. I was not allowed to touch the thing. They didn't trust me, right? So I've been wearing them for a long time. Um, now, I believe, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the great physician, and I leave in front of me that there is going to be a day that I won't have to wear these things. And my wife would say, amen, please, Lord Jesus. Please, let the boy hear. So I have to repeat myself all the time. Right? Amen. Now, why hasn't it happened yet? I don't know. But I don't throw a fit about it. I don't get mad at God about it. Right? But there's always the possibility in front of me, maybe in the next moment, that something will happen. Amen? But even if not, I understand my body is going to be resurrected and it will not be there. So either now or later, I will be free. And, and I have not, listen, so 
I, I know probably it was only junior high that I actually became actively aware that, well, maybe God could actually do this. Now, I'm not, you know how old I am. Junior high was a long time ago, many moons ago. But yet, after a lot of years, I find myself not frustrated about it, not angry about it, not upset. I, I constantly want to live by faith and not by sight. But now there's just all sorts of things in my life. And so, so if this happens anytime soon, you'll be hearing some hooting and shouting from me about it. You'll hear my testimony. Amen? Amen. But if not, I know, I know, I know because I trust in what is to come, that he's going to make all things new, including everything that's wrong with me beyond just that, because there's more wrong with me than just that. How many know what I'm getting at? Just trying to give a personal example. That I never want to shut the possibilities of God out of my life. Well, since it's been since I've become aware of this possibility in junior high, I guess it's just not possible because it hasn't happened yet. Just put it in the past, whatever. No, 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 no. It's always in front of me that God can do anything. Amen? Amen. So don't get frustrated by your current situation. Don't get frustrated if it hasn't worked out just yet. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because that active faith of trust means a lot. Means a lot. For who? You. That you never stop believing what the God of all things can do. Amen? Amen. So I believe. I believe for me and I believe for you. I, it, listen to me. It could be, uh, it could be financial. It could be mental, it could be emotional, it could be relational. There, there are so many different aspects of life where the things of life show up. I don't care what it is. Don't shut off the possibilities of God in your life. Amen? Do you believe? How many of you believe? Let me see. Okay, let, let's stand up on our feet today. Maybe for some of y'all, it's, it's something that you wrote and stuck on the wall for 21 days of prayer. There's something specific right now happening. Maybe it was something more big picture in your life. I, I don't know. I think some of you may have given up on things and it was not God's desire for you to give up on them. You made choices that were outside of his desire. But I believe it's not too late. See, remember, remember, uh, the heart of prayer is about relational connection to God, and part of that is catching the heart of God. So when you catch the heart of God, you'll see the why behind the what when it comes to the Bible. And sometimes you need to catch the why behind the what. Because there's some things in the Scripture that are hard. 
But if you catch the why behind the what, it makes it easier to, to go about the what. So, so an example would be forgiveness. The Bible says something that comes across hard. If you're not willing to forgive other people, God will not forgive you. That's a hard statement. Hard statement. But if you catch the heart of God, you start to see the why behind the what. The what doesn't seem so hard. You kind of go, oh, I, 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 I don't get the entire thing, but I get some of it. Perceive it. It's the new thing. It's what God is doing. And the amazing effects that happen when you do these kind of things. That makes sense. When you understand the why behind freedom, even when it brings you to changes in your life or certain ways of approaching things, there's something about that. And to know in that, then God doesn't just leave you alone to it. You've got to figure it out and do it with your own willpower and, and figure out a way. And No, no, no. He is the one then that says, now let me show you the possibilities. You're in the wilderness, but I'm going to make a way. Right there it is. Or you're in the middle of the dry desert and, and you feel like you're lost and, and you feel like you're going to just die of thirst. All of a sudden, the, the, the stream comes in the desert. And the possibilities start to open up in front of you. You'll, you'll catch why did he make a way and why did he bring a stream and why. See? It's important to catch that. There's a reason he leads us a certain way. And there's, there's a reason he asks certain things of us. Amen? Some of those things, you don't get the full picture of it. You don't fully understand it. His ways are higher. But yet, we have faith and we trust that we're going to do it this way. It's the way he's leading us. Amen? Why don't you give your step to him? You may be like me. Since junior high, you've been given something to him. Okay, I get it. I'm there. I'm right there with you. Keep giving it. Don't stop. Don't give up. At some point, a way is going to be made in that wilderness. The stream will show up in, in the middle of the desert. you'll say, my, my Lord and my God, how wonderful you are. For in this are your possibilities. Thank you. Amen? Let's, let's commit these things to him. Lord, we thank you. That whatever, whatever is being asked of right now, whatever is give, being given to you once again right now, that we trust you and we believe you have been doing a new thing you've been doing a new thing and we know it's Jesus and we know it is freedom in him we know it but I pray we perceive it if we just catch a certain little piece of it it's enough to grab hold of and say now God what is possible in you we grab it 
And I pray, Lord, that we have an assurance and a peace that's of you. And you're going to see it through one way or the other. We learn to live by faith in everything in our life. Live by faith in everything in our life. We live by faith. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, maybe, maybe you're here today and you feel far from God. You, you hear me talking about this God of possibilities. You're like, man, I'm not even in that universe. I don't feel like that. Maybe at one time you've been in relationship with him, you've walked away, or, or maybe never ever have you come to him and said, Lord, you are God. And I give my life to you. I'll give you an opportunity to do that now. It's the best thing. It's the greatest thing you could ever do. Because not only does it deal with the forgiveness of sins, which we all need, but it, it deals with our future. Always gives us hope. So if that is you, I'm not going to have you come down front. I'm not going to... Uh, do any kind of a show with this. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand at your seat. Then we're just going to pray together. If it's nobody, then we'll just go home. But if you're here today and say, I feel far from God and I, I want to I know that he's with me. I want forgiveness. If that's you, raise your hand up real quick. Anybody in the house? A couple hands went up. Anybody else? You can put them down. Anybody else? Amen. Thank you. If you raise your hand, thank you. But let's, let's all pray this prayer together, okay? And, and this one, I'm just going to do a repeat after me. So everybody just, just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I come to you right now. I felt far from you. But I know that's not what you want. Forgive me of my sins. Put my past behind me. Open up life in front of me. I believe, simply by praying that, it's done. My past is gone. Thank you. But now show me how to live life now. Help me, guide me, lead me. I'm yours. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. You are my Lord and my Savior. And I do this in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give those a hand that raised their hand. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm going to close up. How about that? If you need prayer this morning, come on down. We'd love to pray with you before you go. If not, uh, we'll see you Wednesday night. We'll keep on teaching on prayer on Wednesdays next Sunday. Uh, bring somebody back out with you next week. Have a wonderful week. Be blessed as you go.